Hello and welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. Harvest Church is based in sunny Durban, South Africa. We are a family of believers who are passionate about Jesus. We really hope this message inspires you today. I get to share today and I feel that the Lord has just really laid on my heart Uh, We can put the the picture up on the screen, thank you. Um, Just something about launching out into the more that he has for us, and really the way that we do that is we embrace transition. And I've shared uh, along these lines probably about four years ago, I remember sharing this, but this week as I was preparing, uh, I probably prepared in about three different directions, but I just felt the Lord reminding me about this message, and so I went back into it, and there were just some things that I felt pertinent. I'd been in a prayer meeting, Um, and the scripture had come up. I'd been chatting to some individuals who were saying they felt that they were experiencing what the scripture speaks about. I had a friend from Dubai who I haven't chatted to for for ages get hold of me and and, uh, just encourage me and say, I feel the Lord speaking about transition. I'm getting a little bit of feedback. I don't know if Talon's there. uh, He's probably trying to help Kids Church or somewhere, part of our team. are you hearing feedback? Is it just me? No, okay, I can live with it. And so anyway, I really feel that the Lord was encouraging us around this message of transition. And so we're going to jump into, if you've got your Bibles, um, I will put it on the screen. We're in the New King James Version today, and we're reading from Luke chapter 5, verse 3 to 6. And I really trust that the Holy Spirit's just going to, even as He encouraged me through the week, He's just going to speak courage to you for the moment that you're in. And as we speak about transition, we're all going through some form of transition, whether it's relationally, whether it's vocationally, whether it's financially, whether it's geographically, either we in it or there are other people going through it. And if you are in it, you know that it can be, if you just sit there and you don't know how to process it, don't know how to move with what God is saying in the midst of it, it can be incredibly painful. They say that transition is the last stage of active labor and childbirth, and it is incredibly intense and incredibly painful. But here we see Jesus meeting Simon. This is before he becomes known as Peter, and he is engaging him in a moment of transition to lead him into the more. And that's really what I believe God is wanting to do with us today. He's wanting to meet us where we are and to help us transition into the more. And and I'm talking about spiritually, but often the spiritual transition has Uh, physical uh, ramifications outworking in consequence uh, as it unfolds. So let's read from verse 3. Then he got into one of the boats, it's speaking about Jesus, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. And that's the title of the message. Launch out, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and have caught nothing. I've got some friends who I sometimes go fishing with. I always catch. Sometimes they're toiling and catching nothing. So I've got sympathy and empathy. Um, No, my fishing partner was in the first service, so my joke's falling flat. Um, Then it goes on to say, nevertheless, even though we've toiled, even though nothing's happened, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. And so really, that's what I'm wanting to discuss today, and I want to bring a series of questions that will maybe provoke you to think and just look at your own life and to see, where am I in this journey? Is this speaking to me, and uh, is this something the Lord is wanting to guide me and lead me and navigate me through? 
Because I believe he's saying to all of us that whatever that transition might be, he's saying if you're in that place, make the transition. Don't be left in limbo. Don't just be part of the status quo. Make the transition. Launch into something deeper. And we're talking about the deeper things of God's heart for us. And do something that's going to have greater effect than you just sitting in the same old, same old as you've been doing for the last few days, weeks, months, years, however long it might have been for you. And he is the one that guides us through, but it's up to us to start to engage with what he's saying and how he's leading. So let me just take a moment and pray. So Father, even as we heard Leanne praying, we're just so aware of your presence resting over us and at work in this place. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you just move on assignment with the word and you're just touching hearts. You're just healing. You're just restoring. You're just imparting life. And I pray that this morning that we would experience something in you that would even surprise us at the nearness, nearness and the realness, the beauty and the wonder the relationship we get to enjoy with you. I pray that we would be surprised by your goodness and that we would be walking in the fullness of that as we leave this place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So as I say, we're all in some sort of transition. And often the Lord is initiating it. He's working in the midst of it because he's desiring us to step into, he's calling us to step into everything that he has for us. And when I say that, it's not saying that he's not happy with where you are. It's not saying, you know, I need you to change or I need you to um, transition or transform so that I can love you more. We know the basic message of the gospel is this, that there is nothing that you could do to make God love you anymore, and there's nothing that you have done that can make him love you any less. He loves you wholeheartedly, determinedly, enough to give his life for you, and that's before you came to know him as Lord and Savior. The beauty is, as we receive him as Lord and Savior, we get to engage and live and live out of that love that he has for us. So I'm not talking about transitioning so that we could step into a place where we're more lovable. No, I'm talking about transitioning that we can step into the fullness and the fruitfulness of the life that he has designed for us and desired for us to be living out of. That that is the the shift and the change that I'm wanting to bring um, to us this morning. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And so that word transform there, it says that there's something about a change. There's something about a transition. There's something about a transformation from glory to glory. And it's a transformation that's happening for your good and his glory. And that's what we're speaking about today. That's what he's wanting to bring about and encourage us with. And so I'm going to ask you a list of questions this morning. I'm going to put on my coaching cap. And I don't know if you've ever been to a life coach or an executive coach. And they've got an amazing job because all they do is they ask you questions so that you can come up with the answers to your own problems. And so today I'm going to ask you some questions that are hopefully going to provoke you to look a little bit deeper in your own life and say, Lord, what are you saying? It's this fancy phrase they use called metacognition where you actually have to think about what you're thinking about. Not just thinking aimlessly, but to think about what you're thinking about. And so I'm going to ask some questions to do with your faith in this moment and get you to really do a deep dive and say, Lord, what are you saying to me and where are you wanting to take me even as we look at transition? And so see if you can find yourself in these questions as I ask them. So verse 3 says this, speaking about Jesus, it says, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Now, here's the thing. He could have picked any boat to get into, 
but he intentionally and purposefully gets into Simon's boat because he is wanting to do something in Simon's life. And in the same way, even as you're seated here today for this message, as I got a friend from Dubai saying, I really feel you need to speak into this, it's because the Lord wants to have a divine engagement and appointment with you this morning where he is saying, I want to get into your boat. I'm picking you because I want to journey with you. And the beauty of the Lord is this, the beauty of Jesus, is that he is willing to come to where you are, get in the boat with you, and journey alongside. Actually, one of his names means the one who comes alongside. And so he doesn't stand at a distance. He's not just high and almighty, shouting commands and pointing directions. But he's saying, I want to journey the journey of life with you. And it's going to be for your good. And it's going to be for my glory. And so this is what's unfolding in the midst of this moment. And it says that he got into the boat. And and I love this because if you read from verse 1, what's happening is these guys have been fishing all night. And they've come to shore and they've put their boats on the side and they're busy cleaning their nets. Jesus pitches up. There's a crowd that gathers around him, Sea of Galilee. They're listening, multitudes, to what he's got to say. Jesus gets into these fishermen's boats who've just come back, had a long night, and he's waiting there. And I think Simon's thinking, what's going on here? Simon wasn't there to hear his message. Simon was cleaning his nets, despondent. He had caught no fish. And he thinks, who's this guy getting into my boat? So then Simon goes and gets in the boat with Jesus. And Jesus, nonchalantly, just tells him a little bit, just tells him, hey, put out a little bit from the shore. Put out a little bit from the land. And then he sat, Jesus sat down and he taught the multitude. I think he had to do that. He had to find Simon where he was. Simon had no intention of being in church that morning. Simon had no intention of hearing a sermon that morning. Simon had no intention of looking at growing spiritually or changing his life. He was just wanting to sit in his misery. But sometimes the Lord will accost us, arrest us, almost take us hostage so that we can experience his goodness, hear his words of life, and move into a whole new trajectory. That's what's happening in the midst of this moment with Simon. And I'm obviously a lot more excited than many of us are feeling here this morning. But also what I, I love about this is Jesus is so, so wise, so brilliant. He's such a genius in how he engages us. Because he doesn't come and say, I want you to launch into the deep. He doesn't come and ask a commitment that's too great. He sees what Simon is feeling and just the, the heaviness he's under, fixing nets that are breaking, no fish in the lot. And he says to Simon, I want you to just put out a little bit from the land. And Simon's tired, he's weary, fished all night, and He's thinking, no, I can't overcommit, but okay, I can, I can go out a little bit. I'll, I'll just put a little bit of myself out there. And verse 4, it starts to show this transition that Jesus has in mind that's going to happen with Simon as Simon starts to listen and engage with Jesus. And so Jesus is in the boat. They're off the shore just a little bit. He's talking to the multitude. And then in verse 4, it says this. He stops speaking, and he says to Simon, who's been sitting there, not wanting to do anything, stop speaking. And then he says to Simon, launch out into the deep. I want you to let your nets down for a catch. Launch out into the deep. I want you to let your nets down for a catch. He doesn't try and circumvent, circumvent to get, uh, circumnavigate. That was an interesting word. Circumnavigate the, the issues of what um, Simon's feeling. He goes straight for the jugular. I want you to launch out, shoot out, launch out, set out. And I want you to let your nets down again, not just in hope, but for a catch. You see, Jesus wanted to push Peter somewhere where he had never been before. He said, I'm not going to leave you sitting in this place where you're at. He was preaching to the multitude. He had the hour for the one. You might feel like you're part of a big group here this morning, but I believe Jesus is speaking to you individually here because he wants to 
He wants to take you on a journey. You might feel, I've lived my days, I've had my ways, and uh, now I'm just settling back and it's just ease. And he's saying, no, I want to meet you where you're at. I've still got dreams and plans. I've got more for you. He wants to say that to you individually. And so he's saying, I want to take you, Simon Peter, somewhere where you've never been before. And Jesus loves to speak, as I said, in his genius and brilliance and metaphors and parables and pictures because here's the thing. He's not taking Simon to any waters he hasn't fished before. He's not taking him to a secret cove, to a, a fishing angling device. I think they call them fads where you, you set up to specially get certain fish. He's not going anywhere that Simon hasn't been before. He's fished those waters. He's used that boat. He's used those nets. But he's wanting to take him somewhere spiritually because he's wanting to engage him with his purpose, wanting to engage him, not just with success in the moment, but with the deepness of significance. And so he's saying, I want you to launch out into the depths of who I'm calling you to be. I want you to launch out into the depths of who I'm calling you to be. Because sometimes we are willing to settle, to sit down, and to live a shallow existence outside of the depth of what God has for us. And so Jesus does the same for us, even as he does for Simon. He climbs into our boat and he says, I want you to let out a little bit. And maybe some of you that's here, this, you've experienced that here this morning where you know, I, okay, I'll, I'll step out a little bit and I'll help in a welcome team or, or maybe I'll get involved in a community group or maybe I will and, uh, give a little bit more than I wanted to give when Leanne spoke about that earlier. And so we respond and we say, okay, I'll, I'll step out just a little bit. And Jesus is waiting in anticipation because as he sees you take that step, there's a momentum that's starting. And he doesn't let it just go back to settle, but he starts to breathe wind and courage into those sails. And he says, now that you've gone out a little bit, now I want you to, to launch out. Now I want you to, to shoot out. So the first question, as me as a great coach this morning, wanting you to come up with your own answers that I want to ask you from the text we look at is this. We're talking about transition. Transition doesn't happen unless you make it happen. In making the transition, can you make the transition from listening to launching? Can you make the transition, as you're sitting in that place now, from listening to launching? Because Simon's in this place where they've let out just a little bit, and he's been listening with the multitudes. That's, that's what it said. And it's easy to listen with the multitudes. First step's just listening. We can all do that. We can all download a message, we can all listen to a podcast, we can all hear a sermon. It's easy to listen, but can you transition from listening to launching? Because in listening, there's no big, big commitment. Most of Christianity around the world today is happy to listen, happy to gather in an air-conditioned building, to hear some words and to just um, think, you know, that I'll take that or not take that, and, and that intrigued me. But the difference is, what do you do with that thing? And Jesus is wanting to do something deeper in his life. He says, put out a little bit from the land. That's the first step. Just put out a little bit from the land. That's where most of Christianity functions, just so that you can listen. And then the next step he says is this, I'm calling you, I'm inviting you, I'm encouraging you, launch out. Go that step deeper. Go into everything that I have for you that I'm calling you into. Take what I'm saying and actually do something. Take what I'm saying and actually live it out. Take what I'm saying and actually apply it to your life. James 1 verse 22, we can put it on the screen, says this, don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. It's quite a strong challenge. 
James doesn't hold too many punches. Let me read that again. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let this word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. Let it be like uh, words that you are hearing, but also let it be like words that you are living. Because so many of us are, are listening, but are we seeing the fulfillment? We are listening and hearing, yeah, we believe Jesus is good. We believe that he can restore where I felt broken. We believe that he can turn my brokenness um, that he makes, uh, brings beauty from ashes. We believe that he can do that. But are we inviting him? Are we taking his word? Are we actually activating that in our lives? Are we seeing us move from a place of just hearing about faith to engaging and activating faith? And Luke 5 verse 4 says, he asked him to launch when he stopped speaking. How many sermons have you heard that you should have launched off the back of, but you've just continued to sit? You see, when the, the, when the words, when the sermon stops, that's where your responsibility starts. How many times has the speaking stopped, but the launching hasn't happened? And the desire of the Father's heart for you and for me and for us as a community is that we had launched into the more, that we had experienced the depth of just all that he has for us, that we'd go beyond our, our comfort zones and just our, our sitting back and experience all that he has for us. So verse, verse five continues, I mean, verse four continues to say, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Jesus says, it's like the best motivational speaker. Come on, people, let's launch out. And Simon's like, no, I'm not having it. Done all of this, experienced it all. I'm not getting hyped up. I'm not getting riled up by your words. We've toiled, this isn't happening. If it ends there, it's pretty depressing. But, but I like the next verse. I like the next statement. When Simon says this, what a beautiful uh, just shift. What a beautiful transition that happens in this word. Nevertheless, won't you say that? Nevertheless. I don't know what you've been experiencing, toiling at, where you felt left, where you've had an all-nighter, where you feel there's no hope, where you're empty, where there's no resource to show for it. But will you say this with me one more time? Because I believe it's shifting something in the atmosphere. Nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Can you move from listening to launching? Second question I want to ask you is this. Can you make the transition from launching out to letting down, launching out, to letting down. I fish with my friend Stu Morrison. I've got friends in this community that got bayliner boats. I've got friends with speed boats. I've got friends with fishing boats, and I've got a what's called a froggy pontoon. And uh, Stu's got a much better pontoon than me, but he's not in the room, so I'm not uh, boosting him up. But I've got a froggy pontoon that looks more like a bumblebee. I've got yellow flippers. It's got yellow pontoons with a black seat, and they call me the bumblebee when I'm out there. Um, but I always outfish Stu, so it's fine. But if I launch out on my little bumblebee and I'm in those waters, doesn't matter how deep it is, doesn't matter how good I look, doesn't matter how fit my strides are and my little flippers as I'm moving across Hazelmere Dam, if I don't let down the net, if I don't let down my line, it's pointless. And so can you make the transition from launching to letting down? And there's something in this that we see later that we know that Jesus is going to say to Simon that I'm going to move you from being a fisherman of fish to being a fisherman of men. 
And, and that's the challenge that comes to us here today, even as we heard Mal sharing that thing, uh, just in terms of her testimony and what she encountered here, is sometimes we're afraid to, we, Lord, I want to launch out and all that you have for me, but Lord, I don't want to let down the lets of knowing that, uh, for people to know that I'm one of yours. I don't really want to pray for anyone, or I don't really want to share anything of my faith. You know, that's for me. So an interesting stat this week. Guess how many people come to church because of the preacher the sermons, the messages, how many actually come to church for that reason? 6%. Guess how much, how many come because of ad advertising? 2%. 86% come because they're invited by a friend. You see, there's something about letting down the nets where you're actually allowing people not to be bound, not to be caught up, but to be brought in so that they can encounter life. And so we get to let down the nets, not only to launch out, and we sometimes don't want to do that because we don't want to appear weird. Let me encourage you with this as a starting point. You are already peculiar. <laughs> I'm not picking you or looking down on you or speaking down. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. This is a promise, people. It's a good thing. It says this. You are a chosen nation. You are a royal people. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. And it's for this reason. It's because we proclaim the excellencies of the one who took us out of darkness and has brought us into not just his light, but his marvelous light. And we get to live in the reality of that. And we get to let down nets that don't bring people into bondage, but if they it brings people out of bondage and into the freedom of coming into a community where they can discover the goodness, the life, the joy that we have found in walking with Jesus and knowing that he is the one that has come alongside us. And so we want to bring people in because we know that he's picked us, got into our boat because he wants to do something in our lives. And I, I feel the same for the community that you've been placed in that you are called to reach. God's got a heart, a dream and love for them. And that's why you're there. So are you starting to let down your nets? Are you moving just from launching to letting down? But there's a deeper question within this one. It's in letting down your nets. Are you letting down your nets even when it doesn't make sense? Are you letting down your nets even when it doesn't make sense? I'll ask you another question. Why do you try to make sense of that which doesn't make sense? You know, if you could understand God, you would be God. But he moves in mysterious ways. Always good, always glorifying him, always for our life and betterment. But there's something about him that we don't understand all the details. It's, this is what Simon's experiencing. He's saying, Jesus, I've been out fishing all night. Fish are caught in the night on the Sea of Galilee. We don't do the fishing in the morning. We've used our nets, we've fished the spots, nothing happened. And I appreciate, Jesus, that you are a master carpenter. But I'm a great fisherman. And so let me just tell you, there's nothing happening here. That's what's happening in this moment. Simon is just basically saying, this don't make no sense. There's no logic. Uh, there's no strategy. I'm not interested. But I've begun to discover in my life, and I'm sure you have as well, it's when things don't make sense, but where we hear his word, as we start to engage that, the Lord can do far more beyond, uh, can do far beyond what we can hope, what we can imagine, what we can think up, what we can strategize, and what we can put together on our own. That's when we start to see the divine enactment of his miraculous power at work because it is so beyond us, it can only be of him. And so there's something moving beyond the sense where God starts to make sense in the supernatural reality of who he is. And uh, maybe you found yourself in that sort of situation, like Simon Peter, where you've been out fishing for a breakthrough and you think I've caught nothing. You know, in that relationship, 
I've been fishing for a breakthrough for years and nothing has changed. And in my finances in this area, I've been fishing for a breakthrough. I've been faithful, but it hasn't turned around. And in my health, there's this area and I keep fishing for a breakthrough, but nothing is shifting. And maybe you feel in that place where you're lacking clarity and purpose and you're saying, hang on, Lord, I've caught nothing. But you see, we see here with Peter that he's in this transition moment that he is moving from calculating to starting to find the same conclusion that other men and women in the Bible had. We're starting to realize, nevertheless, in the midst of I've caught nothing, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down my net, even though it doesn't make sense. So it's like Martha in the book of John 11. Feel the hope in that. Where Lazarus has died, and Jesus comes up, and, and Martha in her despondency and discouragement and disappointment and feeling disillusioned by all that's happening, walks up to Jesus, the one who is hope, and says to him, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. But you know what? He's our eternal hope. And she says, but even now, even now, you see, there's an even now in her heart when Jesus is present. For Moses, he has a similar situation. He's leading the Israelites out of Egypt, and they're being pursued, and they get to the Red Sea. And behind them is the Egyptian army and they turn around and they're beholding this army coming to wipe them out. And Moses in a moment against the logical sense of what's happening is able to say, stand and watch the deliverance of our Lord today with between a rock and a hard place. Because what he's saying in that moment is nevertheless, but nevertheless, for larger, it's in 1 Kings 18 when he's declared a drought and there's been a drought for a number of years and People want his head and kings are after him. And he says to his servant, he says, they're in the desert, they're in the midst of the famine and the drought and they're looking out over a dusty horizon. And he says to his servant, can you see anything? And the servant says, nothing. Ask him again, servant says, nothing. Ask him again, servant, servant says, nothing. On the seventh time, the, the servant says, I can only see a cloud as small as a man's hand. I mean, it's tiny. What's that gonna do in the midst of a drought? But Elijah says, nevertheless, you run until Ahab reigns coming. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't bow their knee to any other person to give worship because only one is worthy of our worship. And they're saying, we don't care if you throw us in the fiery pit and we know you're going to do it and it looks like it's our end, but nevertheless. What is that nevertheless in your heart right now? What has the Lord spoken to you of his word that cuts against the sense of where you're at? where you can say, nevertheless, my emotions might not be there, my plans might not be there, people's experience might not be there, perceptions might not be there, but nevertheless, at your word. And you see, something was happening in Simon in this moment that he was gonna walk out when his name changed to Peter. And it's this, he was learning how to walk on the words of Jesus. You see, we're all work, walking on something. Some of us are walking on other people's words. Some of us are walking on other people's expectations. Some of us are walking on circumstance. Some of us are walking on peer pressure. Some of us are walking on our own sense of having to build up our identity. We're all walking in different aspects. But Peter is learning in this moment, this transitional moment, that he's going to walk on nothing other than the words of Jesus. And further, we're going to see as it unfolds a little bit later that in Matthew 
14 verse 28, another moment happens that he's able to respond to because of what he's learned in this moment because he's gone through the transition that Jesus comes walking on the water towards him and he's in the boat in the midst of, of, uh, of buffeting winds and waves that are splashing everywhere. And he says, Jesus, if that is you, tell me to come. And Jesus says one word to him, come. And something had been hardwired in his brain through this previous experience of transition that in the midst of that moment that didn't make sense, he could step out and he wasn't walking on water, he was walking on the word of God. Nevertheless, at your word. The second question in this point that I want to ask you, and I don't have it on the screen, is this. Can you let down your nets even after you've been let down? Can you let down your nets even after you've been let down? There's some of us here and are saying, Lord, I just can't go there. I'm done. I can't go back to that place. I mean, have you ever pulled an all-nighter? I had my son's matric dance on Friday night. I thought I was going to do an all-nighter. There he is. Hi, Luke. Forgot that you're in the service. He was very well behaved. And I thought I'd have to go and fetch them from somewhere at like two in the morning or wherever. Uh, I didn't have to, fortunately, but I'd been watching that clock every 10 minutes um, uh, since about 12 because I've got that sleep thing. Who's got an iPhone and that sleep thing? I don't know what messages will come through, not come through, so I had to check it. Anyway, long night. If you've, been on a, if you've ever done a, a red-eye flight, you know what it's like when you arrive at your destination finally and you're needing a shower and you're wanting a bed and you're just tired and you haven't slept a, a wink all through it. You know what it's like to suddenly get there and imagine, I mean, we fly to Alaska. How many hours, sweetie? 30 hours. Uh, I did the last one with Luke and Mitchell, not, not Amberly, Luke and my son Mitchell. We, did I tell you this? We, uh, I've got to tell you this. not part of the message, but it's fun. Um, I... Leanne said that she packed our travel bags. I believed her. So we get to Alaska. I mean, it's freezing, it's snowing. All this is happening. I'm in a pair of sneakers with like secret socks, a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. And my little, uh, my little uh, seven-year-old is dressed the same in the midst of the snow. Why was I telling you and where was I going? All, oh, this is why. Because you can get to that point. Imagine arriving at that point. You're worn out, you're tired, you're frustrated. And imagine hearing... Now go exactly back to where you were. Do it all over again. You're thinking, no, that sounds a little bit crazy. Because here's the thing. Jesus is arriving with Simon, and he's saying to him, everything you've just done, I want you to go and do again. Everything. And he's in this place of, but we've caught nothing. And Jesus would say to us today, to you and to me, I want you to go right back to where you've come from. I want you to go to the very place where you were. I want you to go there and I want you to let down your nets again. And you're thinking, well, what will be different? Here's the difference. It's when you step out on God's word. There's such a difference, a dramatic difference, a radical difference, a revolutionary difference, a counterculture effect that takes place, catalyst that happens when you arrive somewhere just on your own initiative versus if you arrive there armed, standing on the security and explosiveness of God's word that's wanting to burst out in that place. There's a difference. And maybe you're at that, part, that point today where you've tried to forgive. Maybe you've tried to reconcile. Maybe you've tried to restore. Maybe you've stood before this place and you're saying, but I can't see it shifting. But I want you to listen to what God is saying to you. Not what I'm saying to you. Not what I'm suggesting to you. I want you to hear God's heart, God's encouragement, God's word to you this morning. Because when he tells you to go, He's going to bring you into a place of abundance where nothing is removed or stolen from you. Everything is added, restored, redeemed, and made beautiful. 
And I believe Jesus is saying in some of these areas, I want you to give it another go. And some of you are saying, well, what does that look like for me? Maybe you're here and you've just joined the Harvest family and that's saying get involved in serving in some way. Maybe you're here and you disconnected. You heard what Mel said about being in a community and you thought, you know, I've tried a life group, but there was that crazy person there and I just can't go back because they were the leader. I understand that. We all try. Maybe it's just about, as I've said, volunteering, making coffee. I don't know what that is. But when you hear God in it, there's grace for it. And so just start to listen. Start to open your ears. Because he's calling you out of the shallows. Don't worry. Uh, I've sung once before Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper's uh, uh, shallow song. I had a neck off this year. I would have done it, but I can't hit the same notes, unfortunately. But there's something about stepping out of the shallows. Where God, not, not Lady Gaga, not Bradley Cooper, but where God is calling you into the deep. Where deep calls unto deep. Deep calls unto deep. What is it that Jesus is saying to you? Where it's nevertheless at your word. Maybe you meant to write a book. Maybe you've been thinking of starting a non-profit. Maybe you've been thinking of, of just starting a new business. Or there's something fresh and you've kind of been in transition. It's been intense and painful. But Jesus is saying to you, now go, go on my word. Stand on my word. Let down the nets, even if you've been previously let down yourself. And here's the thing. The nets that they're letting down are empty. Sometimes it takes courage to let down nets that are empty. Sometimes it takes courage to to go deeper where you're feeling empty in yourself. And maybe you're feeling empty in areas of compassion. Maybe you've got compassion fatigue. Or maybe you're feeling loveless and you're thinking, no, I'm feeling empty in my own self. Maybe you're feeling hopeless. And how do I take my emptiness somewhere? I'm saying, go with expectancy, with your emptiness. Let it down when he's telling you to launch out and go deep because it's with a promise that there's gonna be a catch and abundance. Take your emptiness to the place where you can experience fullness because he speaks order into the chaos. He speaks resource into the emptiness, light into the darkness. So let me read verse four again. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. Number one, launch out. Number two, let down your nets for a catch. Here's the thing. Do you see what it says there? Plural. Let down your nets for a catch. At your word, Simon responds, I will let down the net. Singular. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net, singular, was breaking. Jesus said, let everything down, your nets. Don't hold back. Don't make a reserve plan. I want you to let everything down. Simon, in the midst of this moment, is thinking, hey, I will step out, but you know, nets, we've caught nothing. I'm just trying to appease them. I'll let down one net. What happens? That one net is near to breaking with the abundance of what God was doing to do. What would have happened if he had let down the nets? What would have taken place in this moment? So the the third question I want to bring is this. In making transition, can you move from trusting your plan to trusting in God's plan? Can you move from trusting in your plan to trusting in God's plan? And this is the hardest for those of us who've been successful. This is the hardest for those of us who feel we've made it in our own right or we've achieved something of influence or, or, or weightiness because it requires humility. But my question is how many fish, fish could they have caught if they had let down the nets? What miracles were lying just beneath the surface of their faith? that they maybe missed out on because they didn't go deep to let down, even when they felt empty. Because it's my own limitations of my view of God that limited me from experiencing the more and the all of God. 
It's my own limitations. And so do you trust God? Asking you the question, you'll find the answer. Are you trusting him in your finances? Are you trusting him in your marriage? Are you trusting him in your parenting? Are you trusting him in your career? Are you trusting him with your influence? Let's read verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so, also, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. The last one I want to ask you is this. Can you make the transition from foreseeing all to forsaking all? Can you make the transition from listening to launching? Can you make the transition from launching out to letting down? Can you make the transition from trusting in your plan to trusting in God's plan? And can you make the transition from foreseeing all, trying to understand everything, to forsaking everything? And that word forsake there, it's to let go. It means to disregard. And it's this thing of do you have the faith to, to let go of and to disregard all of that that you had foreseen in your own capacity and ability? Are you able to let go of, of all that you had maybe had false hopes on or false expectations or maybe it's things that had weighed you down? Maybe it's hurts. Are you able to let go of those hurts that maybe you felt a sense of identity in or those offenses or those grievances? Are you able to let go of the broken promises and the sunken dreams? Are you able to let go of that so you can take hold of them all? Another way to look at it is this. Can you forsake what's kept you afloat? You know, sometimes it's easy to forsake those things that have, or let go of those things that have seemed to be anchoring us down. But can you let go of those things that have uh, kept you afloat? Your own perceived success, your own perceived wisdom, your own perceived connectedness and networking ability. You see, here's Peter. He's in the midst of a moment, well, Simon at this time still hasn't been called Peter, and he's in the midst of a moment where this could be the moment of his greatest success. You know, this boat has kept him afloat up to this point, uh, just barely sustainably. Um, these nets have kept him afloat, but here is his moment, because suddenly he's caught a, a net full of fish that they would have said was around a ton and would have been weeks worth of wages. He's arriving back at the shore and the crowds are exclaiming and are amazed at what he's doing. He is looking at numero uno fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, and he's suddenly saying, this is my confirmation that I've just made it as a fisher of fish. This, this is what's happening. He could have thought, this is the greatest confirmation. It's like this. It would be like winning the lottery and then saying, you know what, I've won the lottery, but I, I don't want any of it because something had shifted in him from what he could foresee that he was going to forsake it because Jesus had got in his boat and he had spent time and heard his words, but now he's launched, now he's let down, now his emptiness has been filled, and now he's seen the breakthrough of abundance, and he's saying, all of that doesn't measure up to all that I can have in you. And so something has moved in the heart of Simon Peter in the midst of this moment. And he's able to leave all of that. And then the journey happens. You read through the Gospels. He becomes known as Peter. And then another moment happens in John chapter 21. We read about it because he's journeyed with Jesus, been with Jesus. And what happened when Jesus died was that he suddenly got shaken um, because of uh, Jesus was a security and uh, he was loving that and obviously following him and now he's wondering at his own life and fearful so he denies Jesus three times just before Jesus goes to the cross. And what does he do in that moment of despondency and discouragement and disillusionment? disillusionment? He says, you know what, I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going to go back to what's familiar. I'm going to go back to what's comfortable. I'm going to go back to where I was eking out a living. 
So he goes back to the same beach, to the same boat, to the same nets, to the same water to try and catch the same fish. And he's out there, guess what, another all-nighter. And guess how many fish he's catching on that all-nighter. Anyone want to take a guess? He's catching nothing. But guess who pitches up again? The beauty of Jesus. And Jesus walks on those same beaches. And this time he's not calling out to the crowd, but he's calling out to the boat where he knows Simon is. And he says, have you caught anything? And they don't know who it is. And they respond, we've caught nothing. Jesus says, don't even move. Just let down your nets on the right-hand side. And so they let down their nets. And what happens? They catch so much fish that their, their boats are almost sinking as they come into shore. And they come in and they, they perceive that it's Jesus. So they run with, it says Simon went with the fish. Peter went with the fish to Jesus. But guess what Jesus is already doing? He's on the beach grilling fish. Because here's the thing. He's already got everything that you need. Everything you're searching for. Everything you're trying to find. Everything you're chasing. It can be found in Jesus. And he's making space for you. So I want to pray for us this morning because I believe some of us might be in the place where we're in this painful, intense place of transition. And maybe you just need to make the transition. Because if God is in it, he's wanting to lead you to something that is deeper, that is greater, that has got more weightiness, significance, more beauty, more abundance. There's more life in it than what you're afraid of. And sometimes when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, you realize I need to move. And I want to use the word passion instead of pain. Because that's how Jesus went to the cross. It was his passion that allowed him to go there and bear out those moments. But when Jesus is in it, when we're standing on his word, you're standing above the buffeting winds and the crashing waves. And so let me, let me just pray for us this morning. Well, before I do that, maybe you're in transition. Maybe you're trusting God for something. It might be in your finance. might be in a geographical transition. It might be in... Um, a relational transition where things have to shift and you have to move into a new area, but you've been standing and thinking, you know what, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing the catch coming in. But George, as you've spoken this morning, I've heard the Lord speak to me about transition. I believe he is calling me to launch out. I believe he is calling me to the deeper things in him. I believe he is calling me to let down nets because there's a catch. I believe he is wanting to bring an abundance where there's been an emptiness. And I believe that um, there's the more in him that I'm going to forsake what I've been trusting and I'm going to start to believe him to be who he says he is. If that's you, I want you to move from listening to launching. All I want you to do is stand because it just communicates something in the spiritual realm. So if you trust, if you in transition. I don't know which one it is, but you're saying, I want to transition and move into the more that you have for me. I know that there's the more. I know that you're speaking. I know that you're calling. I got a call from the chap in Dubai saying, I prophetically feel this for you as a house. If you wanting to respond to that word that he gave me as I was preparing yesterday, I believe God has got abundance for you here this morning. Everyone else is standing because I've invited it, but I want to ask one person to stand because I'm asking it. Nick, will you stand for me? Because I believe you need to hear the word of the Lord that you can stand on this morning, that there's transition, and there's new season and, and new moments of life in Him. So Father, I just thank you for your promise. I thank you for your goodness.
I thank you that we can stand on your word. I thank you that in the midst of all that's come against us, we can have a nevertheless moment at your word. And Lord, I thank you that there's gonna be breakthrough. I thank you that nets will hold, but there'll be abundance of fish. And even though it feels like we're sinking, you're bringing us to shore and there is more than enough. And so Lord, I pray that even as we go into this week, it'll be a new moment, a new season, a new transition, new transformation. I thank you for radical testimonies that come as things take place, as we respond to the prophetic word and step out according to your word to us as a community this morning about launching out into the deepness of what you have. And in Jesus' name, together we say amen. So be it. Amen.